Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. everybody welcome into tom current's patriots talk podcast we got a little bit of a lull in the schedule right now we're before the otas and mini camps we're after the draft free agency is kind of quiet talked to the coaches earlier this week we fed that to you but there's also some movement folks who's moving on the patriots beat eric scalavino one of my absolute favorite people on the beat or anywhere else has been at patriots.com for 16 years and he is shuffling off to god knows where so he's going not, to join not us Buffalo. today. Not Buffalo. I guarantee you that. <laughs> Eric joins us today um, and probably well overdue. Should have had him before because uh, he's a lot of fun. What's up, my guy? How you doing, TC? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you heading on out? I am. Yeah. Uh, as of tomorrow. So as of Friday this week, whenever your listeners are uh, getting this. But uh, yeah, oh, Friday, getting, May 20th. That's Thursday my... Night. Yeah. So Friday, May 20th, that's my last day. I started April 10th of 06. So it's been a full 16 years and a month plus. Um, and uh, just, uh, at, you know me, Tom, I've, I've always been a guy who is interested in a lot of things. And uh, this has been uh, literally a, a dream come true to be able to work here and cover this team. So um, dr- that dream having been accomplished, uh, I figure while, uh, while there's still time left on the clock, Shall mm-hmm. we say? I want to try to uh, um, score a few other points elsewhere. Yeah, jump, jumping to f- different industries. I mean, I know you love travel. You can be a travel mm-hmm. writer. I mean, that's that yep. seems like. Think about. It. I want to be a golf travel writer. Yeah, my next final life. That's a good way to see the world, or you know, cover the uh, the uh, ATP, right? Cover tennis tournaments all over no, the thanks. world. That's a great way. Well, okay, but you know, <laughs> whatever's whatever you know, whatever's in your tea there whatever. from Morocco. <laughs> yes, right. Uh, yeah, but yeah, at this point, I don't, uh, I'm taking a leap of faith is what I, you know, kind of the way I've been explaining it to people and no definitive landing point at, at this stage. So I'm, um, I'm open to a lot of different things. So yeah, I could stay in journalism. I could move out of it. I could get into any of the other different things that I like, um, you know, my animal welfare causes, mm-hmm. uh, the, the arts, um, back into TV production, which is kind of radio and TV where I started. Uh, my career a long time ago. Um, so there's, there are a lot of things, um, there are a lot of things that are possible right now. It's just a, a matter of what, uh, what the good Lord wants me to do next. All right. And I know you're a faith-based guy, so I'm sure that that will be something that will be prominent. And so we send up the prayers for our guy. Thank you. That, uh, everything goes perfectly for you. I'm sure it will because uh, you've got a good way about you. There's no such thing as perfect anyway. Um, That's right. What was the single best day on the beat for you? I mean, it, it, would, it would have to be Super Bowl 49 in Arizona when they beat 
and they beat Seattle in the most uh, unbelievable of ways. And I, and I say that because it was the first Super Bowl I got to experience as a, a member of the organization. And it came on the heels of two absolutely heartbreaking defeats to the Giants mm-hmm. on a couple of fluky plays. And, and I'm sitting there in what's now called, I think, State Farm Stadium, right? It was University of Phoenix back then. Yep. Sitting there in the press box, and the Seahawks are coming toward us in that right. end zone. And the pass from Wilson to, was it, was it Javon Curse? No, not Javon Curse, but no. uh, the, the Curse was the wide receiver, right, I believe? Yeah, no. Yeah, Lockett Curse. was the guy on the, uh, on, the, on the goal line that got the, uh, the pass picked off. And then Curse was the one who had that jumbling catch on the sideline. And Malcolm Butler makes the tackle, or else he gets up and runs in the end zone. And so I'm sitting there in the press box thinking – I'm going to experience another loss in the Super Bowl working for this team by some fluky, ridiculous catch. You've got to be kidding me. I was slumped down in my chair in the press box thinking this is this can't be happening. This cannot be happening. And then all of a sudden, Malcolm Butler makes that pick. And I'm like, I grabbed the arm of my boss, Fred Kirsch, and I'm like, what you we were speechless. We did couldn't you believe process it. Did you process it in the exact moment? Cause it took me probably, I would say a second and a half, two seconds. Cause we're looking down on it. Right. Were right. You at the yeah. same level I was. Yeah. Yeah. In were you the in the end zone? There. I was in, the end zone I was down. in the corner. Yeah. I was in the corner of the end zone. So I got to see, I didn't have the press yeah. box. I think I, was you I were in the aux press. Were you in the aux? I guess I was. So you were a little bit higher up probably than I was. Yeah. But I, I was in the corner of that end zone. So I got to see it on an angle basically. A great view of it. I, I saw the whole thing, but yeah, I, was I was looking just... straight down. They were like little ants. And then, yeah. saw it and, and then boom, mm-hmm. I, there was a monitor. I, my eyes shot to the monitor and I'm like. <laughs> it was, yeah, it left me speechless. I, could, I couldn't believe what I was seeing and realizing, oh, my God, they're actually going to win this game. You know, then there was a little bit of uh, turmoil at the end, a little fisticuffs with Gronk and some of the defensive players there uh, who were getting a little zealous trying, you know, when Brady's trying to kneel down on it. But. Not going to that that wasn't going to spoil anything. That the fact that they were going to win and it it, like as Brady's kneeling down, I'm thinking, oh my god, they're actually they're actually going to win. I'm thinking, I'm going to get to go to the White House now, which is something I've always wanted to do. You know, we're going to get rings as members of the organization. This is this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. And the 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 moment that it really hit me, Tom, was. You know, right afterwards, it's mayhem because you know we have to go down. We have to get interviews down in that big. Um, you know, that staging area where they've got all yeah. the, the podiums. It's like the, a massive warehouse. Yeah. Folks, and there's right. podiums all set up around. So you, know, you got to go and get, you got to go grab your interviews, <clears throat> excuse me, catch as catch can, you know, you're kind of bouncing around getting stuff. So the next half hour, 40 minutes, I'm gathering all my interviews for my post game story that I got to write. And then the plan for our group was we had to, you know, we, we all did our separate things and then we all had to converge back in the parking lot at the van, the little minivan that we took to get there to get back to our hotel and so I'm trying to find my way out of the stadium there. And, you know, it's not familiar to me. I haven't only been there once or twice. So I find myself in like a, in a deserted staircase that eventually leads me outside. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm all alone in this empty, like cinder block staircase. There's nobody else around. Fans have already left. The game is well over. It's over like an hour after the game has ended. I'm all alone in there. And I'm thinking... I just sat down for a second on the stairs and I was like, God, thank you so much for this. Because, uh, I mean, I, 
as a fan growing up, I thought Vinatieri's kick in Super Bowl 36 was the one and only time in my life I would see the Patriots win a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was ecstatic about that game. But to be a part of the organization and to know that I was going to experience the, the, the wonderful fruits of the, of the victory throughout the offseason just left me so full of gratitude. I just sat there for a minute, let it soak in that, wow, there was nobody else around, just me. And it was the perfect time to just sit there and give thanks for what had just happened and what I was about to experience. And then I made my way out to the did parking you get to the lot. Yeah, I, I did finally. Yeah, I did find <laughs> it. But it was late. It was dark out there. I, I, I had to stumble around. But um, that I would say would be my most memorable uh, day uh, on the beat was that first Super Bowl win. How would you describe covering the team as a member of the organization? I've always thought that for as much as, you know, on 98.5, call it sunshine.com. And um, <laughs> there was a guy, uh, mm. Ed Duckworth from the Providence <laughs> Journal. You remember Ed? Yeah. Oh, well, no. yeah. Sun, he's the one who coined that sunshine.com. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And look, I remember Kevin Mannix used to refer to it as the house organ. Um, mm -hmm. But all that said, I've always thought you guys had a fair amount of latitude to say and do things. Yes. There are uh, lines, though. Have there been lines? I mean, we kind of know the things we can say and can't say, obviously. Yeah. And also, we've talked about certain things, uh, you know, as, as a group, as our little Patriots Unfiltered, formerly PFW group. You know, we know that we're not allowed to break news. We see and are privy to a lot of things that you guys <clears throat> find out about after the fact. Um, but we're not allowed to divulge those things beforehand because our of our you know the privileged status we have being literally in the building. But I, I've always found it, your question is 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 a great one because I've always found it uh, as a sort of purgatory because, like you said, those of you on the beat for the most part look at us and think, oh, they're all just you know uh, rose-colored wearing panacea, everything's great all the time, and the folks on the outside. You know, we try so hard to be objective because right. it's the only it's the only <clears throat> way we will be taken seriously by anybody, because, you know, if you guys in the media hear us, you know, enumerating all the things that are wrong with this roster year in and year out, um, you say, oh, wow, those guys are actually being pretty, you know, pretty right down the middle with this. And you'd be stunned, Tom, I think, to hear a lot of the fans that listen to us are mad at us for being so negative all the time about this team because we're being objective. We're pointing out flaws. You know, we see it warts and all, and it's the only way it's the only way we could be taken seriously would be to call balls and strikes as we see them. And there's no That's, other way I'd, I'd want to do it, Tom, honestly, because I don't want to be known as a house organ or, you know, I'm not a member of the PR department here. It's not my job to say everything's great all the time. Um, that's, you know, I, at, at heart, I, I'd like to think of myself as a journalist. That's where I spent most of my career. And, journalists only should have one agenda and that's to tell the truth. And thankfully we have had the, the luxury of working in a place that has given us that latitude. They've told us from above, we don't want you telling it, you know, like that everything's great all the time. Tell it how you see it. And, and we so, want you to do that. So I, I've been, I've been grateful for that too. And you always, not always, people often have a, a view of the, their own, they see themselves differently than people from the outside do. I think that 
if you polled us as a media group, as your, we look at you as colleagues, we don't look at you as a different entity, even though you work for patriots.com and there's a Robert Kraft's name is at the bottom of your check, I'm presuming, or somebody involved with mm -hmm. Kraft's, comes from Kraft Sports. Yep. Um, I don't feel, I, I've never really felt as if you guys were in anyone's pocket, even though the money that paid you came from someone's pocket. Mm -hmm. Do you attribute a lot of that to Jonathan Kraft, the ability to have that latitude to, to do things? Yeah. And, 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 you know, and give a product that can be critical. I, I, I think you, I think you've pointed that out accurately because, you know, we go to the annual meeting every year, we, whether it's in Florida or Arizona, you know, um, and Jonathan is on the, uh, uh, one of those subcommittees that specifically deals with like, you know, in-house media and, and, um, uh, and, and those kind of things. And yeah, I mean, he's, like I said, we've had discussions internally about what, we can and can't say we've got that you know unwritten but understood rule about not breaking news but other than that it's we have free reign uh, really i mean you know we've said critical things about the head coach uh, about the quarterback who used to be here about the current quarterback about any number of players throughout the years we you know when they've played poorly in stretches or individual games we've called them out for it and i i think our fans, our listeners, our audience deserves that because if they really want to understand their team, you know, look, fans are passionate. It's and that's like, the thing is not everybody wants to understand the team mm. to the extent that we are all able to plumb mm -hmm. the depth of what, you know, the general fan of the Patriots, the very general couch fan, Sunday fan, would turn on NBC Sports Boston and say, okay, day five of no coaching titles, crisis in Foxborough. Mm. What are we doing? I mean, is there anything else? And, and that's actually a conversation we're having today to, to show you how the sausage gets made. You know, Greg Bedard from Boston Sports Journal um, had a comment on his podcast that there are rumblings already that things aren't going well and players aren't happy with the setup. And, you know, we're banding about whether we're, we're going to talk about that. My take is uh, we've, we've kind of relentlessly touched on what we perceive to be the shortcomings of the coaching staff, relentlessly, mm -hmm. whether mm -hmm. it be Joe Judge or Matt Patricia or the outflow of guys with no defensive coordinator. Um, they're in OTAs. They got mini camps coming up. Mm -hmm. We're in a little bit of lag time here. We've made our point. <laughs> So you don't want to belabor it is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's okay to belabor because that's what we do. And we oftentimes say, look, we're media. We have new people coming in. We have new ears coming in. It's not always the same people, but I think the point's been made so often that if we're intimating the players are unhappy, we also have to say, how can they be unhappy with anything concrete? They might be expressing doubt mm -hmm. that this whole thing's going to work, we're saying, boy, Joe was here a few years ago, and I'm not sure he was awesome at, at what he did, or I don't know how much he knows about offense, but it's really hard to have a smoking gun as to why they suck. We presume that they're going to be challenged, but I think we're starting to hammer it. And I've gotten that feedback online, and I'm starting to scrutinize it, and I'm sitting down to write, and I'm like, ah, I, I gotta, I got to find some kind of way to make 
I've made the points. The points have been made. Yeah. And, 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 and you, you want to give them a chance. You want to give yeah. them a chance, right? To pr- either prove it or intel. not prove it. Yeah. Yeah. If I see guys walking away from Joe Judge or Matt Patricia and Joe are both screaming at the same time in one in Mac Jones's ear hole, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to say, it doesn't look like it's going awesome. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah. What's your appraisal of the me- the Boston media and the negativity? What's it tied to? Is it tied to our general, what we perceive fans to want, what we end up having because we become jaded over the years, what the Patriots' success demands from us? What, what is it? Are, or are we just being fair and balanced? Well, I think part of it is the, you know, the, the 24-hour news cycle It also applies to sports talk, right? And 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 sports TV, which we, you know, and we have as passionate a fan base for sports in the New England region as there is in any part of this country. And, you know, probably rivaling some of the, you know, the big European soccer clubs uh, across the ocean. So I think there's, there's a demand, there's never not a demand for people who want to talk about these kind of things. Right. So I think there, there's constantly, uh, uh, I, th- I think sometimes we, we overestimate maybe how many people haven't heard what we've talked about. And so we feel like we have to keep talking about it because somebody might not have heard about it and somebody might want to contribute. And, you know, to the conversation, whether it's, you know, so-and-so from Cape Cod who calls in or, or you know, or a fellow colleague who hasn't given his take yet, or we talk right. about a column or somebody who said something, we want to saturate the conversation until we get to an answer. Because I think we're always searching for an answer, especially with this team, which is so guarded with any information of any kind that is even the most innocuous. Like, who's coaching special teams? Cam Acord couldn't even tell us that the other day. He's been the special teams assistant and special teams coach the last few years. Obviously, he's going to coach special teams. Why not just say it? What competitive advantage does it give him not to say that he's coaching special teams? You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I mean, the effort expended on these trivial matters makes me say, okay, Eyes on the prize. Mm-hmm. There's no competitive advantage to not doing to to not announcing. So what's why are you spending time worrying about that? Right. Why not time talking to your coaches and telling your coaches, look, you guys are all titleless widgets mm-hmm. who um, just we're just going to call you. Co-. I mean, come on. That's that's what these guys are in the industry to do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Maybe someday become half of the head coach that Bill Belichick is a quarter, but to advance in their careers. And you don't just, just do that by osmosis, despite the fact so many Patriots coaches and, and, and personnel folks have moved on. They have to fight for their titles and they have to fight for their reputations and, and to, to, to withhold those. Oh, everybody in the league knows. Do they, do they really? Mm-hmm. Because I hear guys go to interviews and they come out of the interviews and like, we didn't talk about anything that has to do with football. We're talking about the setup there and, who did what and who does what, and you know, why are you going to be different than the other guy? It's, <clears throat> it does not put them at an advantage to advance in their careers. Right. Which would and, breed a little bit of agitation. I would imagine with those employees. Mm-hmm. I think it has, I think, no, no, <clears throat> I, you, that's fine. It's your show. I'm just here to. Yeah, but I'm interrupting. I want an exchange of ideas. Not a no, that's okay. I, I mean, what, what I, what I think, I mean, your earlier point about why, why, why do we keep talking about this subject? I think it's because there is so much uncertainty around it. It's bad enough that there's uncertainty at various positions, 
on this roster, which in a normal offseason is is more than enough to talk about. Right. Why do we have to you know, exacerbate the problem by having the coaching staff be part of the uncertainty? That's usually the thing that you could count on throughout the 20 years of success that they've had um, prior was, you know, Bill at the top, the same offensive system, roughly the same defensive system and the continuity, the experienced coaches on the staff. You, you didn't have to worry about that. You could always fall back on. Well, they're well coached, right? You could always fall back on that at least. This offseason feels like, well, do we know who's coaching? Like, it's okay. I'm okay with if they don't want to tell us on the outside who's coaching what position. Fine. We'll figure that out when OTAs and training camp get here. We'll see who's working with what position. Fine. Do the players know who's coaching what? Do the players know who's coordinating? If there's a problem on offense, do they know who to go to other than their direct position coach? Who's overseeing the whole thing? That's, that's who, the thing that bothers me most is, do the players know that? Do the coaches know that? Because as much as we like to think, oh, they say they don't know, but they know. Well, maybe they don't know. Maybe Bill's holding op- open auditions for who the o- OC is going to be, who the play caller is going to be. We don't know. He's obviously holding an, an audition for the play caller, just judging it by seems what that, yeah, Joe Judge had to say the other day. Mm. He's practicing, but Mike Reese, who I trust implicitly, mm-hmm. was reporting, don't be surprised if it's Matt Patricia. My concern is, and I said this the other day, Joe Judge, every interaction with him that I've had has been positive. But when I likewise, think of, yeah, mm-hmm. when I think of an interaction with a a player, there's certainly upside to Joe Judge's enthusiasm, intensity, the messages he gives. But he also, in explaining things to us, is extremely verbose and extremely fast with what he's talking about. And he jumps from one topic to another to another. And I think of that and I'm like, okay, so he's working with Mac Jones in year two and he's going to be in waterfall of words as opposed to what McDaniels was, who had done it for 20 years. And maybe Mick Lombardi, I don't know how well Mick Lombardi coach or Hardigree. Hardigree was the QB's coach. Yeah. Okay. Beforehand. Now he's with Josh. Well, what I'm saying is, so you have him, you have Patricia, mm-hmm. who's going to be the offensive coordinator, maybe the play caller and the offensive line coach. And it's just that ambiguity for a second year quarterback that you do have to express the concern about Mm -hmm. and the way they coach. Matt can also be a little bit wordy. So there's a lot that's gonna go with this quarterback in his second year. And it's coming from perhaps, unless they're different than I've witnessed, it's coming from two guys who are very wordy for a coach whose entire raison d'etre Oh, well, well pronounced is keep it simple. Do your Mm -hmm. job. Here's these three things. We do these. We'll win. Well, I will, I I will, I'll I'll counter that Tom by, by just saying this Um, in the years when Joe was here before he took the giants job, um, there were a lot of times where, you know, I'd be in a scrum with the rest of you guys um, when we're interviewing players or coaches and, as you said, Joe, when the cameras are rolling, you know, has this very militaristic, like serious. Yeah, well put. You know, you know, it's an austere, I guess, kind of um, facade that he puts out there. I've had many opportunities to interview him one on one over the years. Um, and he does put on a little bit of an effect when he knows that it's it's official. It's camera rolling time. It's recording time when those microphones and cameras stop the facade goes away 
and he's just re- literally <laughs> regular Joe. And he has a completely different demeanor. Uh, his whole aspect changes, uh, at least in the, the dealings I've had with him. And so if, if I am, let, I'm put myself in Mac Jones's position. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think Joe, if he's your quarterback's coach, would be dealing with, with Mac differently than he deals with us as media mm-hmm. members. So I take a little bit of, uh, of optimism in, in my history with Joe and, and even with Matt Patricia, uh, same kind of way. That mm-hmm. they, they, they are different people when they're not talking to the media. And I, I think that, that, uh, that gives me hope for their, their roles going forward, whatever those roles are going to be. And I think, you know, as I wrote in a story yesterday, it's time to turn off the negativity spigot for a little while and, and, and try and say, okay, well, how can this work a little bit? And I looked at the defensive side of the ball here and said, okay, they've fumigated the entire linebacker group and they're obviously changing things, but, and they lost JC Jackson and Van Noy was their most productive linebacker and Hightower was their smartest one. And those, those guys are gone. But now, Hey, what time do you have to go? You asking me? Yeah. Oh, uh, we got a little bit of time. I'll, okay. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. I'll give you the signal when it's All time right. to go. So I'm looking, I'm looking at that and I'm saying to myself, Okay. So on offense, we have coaching uncertainty, but on defense, even though there's not a named coordinator, we have an embarrassed coaching staff over there Mm -hmm. that witnessed what happened. And at least they're making the progress by saying, we can't run around with 255 pound linebackers anymore who are in their thirties. We got to get faster. We got to turn, get more hybrid safeties and we got to be able to zip around. Mm -hmm. So that's a positive. The coaching staff, despite the uncertainty, that can be a positive too. But it's funny, we have so many X factors on the defensive side of the ball in terms of, I don't know how Raekwon McMillan and Terrence Mitchell, Mac Wilson, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, just a collection of guys. Cam McGrone, I mean, shit, we might be buying you know Cam McGrone jerseys in a few months, but especially listening to Steve Belichick speak so effusively about him. And I hope that's good. You watch his clips, he looks really good. But we don't know about that group. There, however, I put more trust in the defensive coaches, despite not having as much faith in the defensive personnel right now. Agreed? Um, I, I would, I guess, I, I guess you have at least consistency in uh, Mayo's been there now a few years. Steve's been there a few years. You kind of know that they're sort of um, a tandem crew, if you will, at, at the DC position. So at least you've got that consistency. I think the players probably understand what the dynamic is with those two. Mm-hmm. It might be a little bit more confusing on offense where you have two former NFL head coaches who are now assistants who are su- seemingly vying for, um, you know, the most uh, glamorous assistant coaching position on that side of the ball, the offensive coordinator. So are those, is that going to cause friction? Are they going to be able to work together since they have worked together already on this staff in the past, or, you know, are, are the egos going to get in the way? I think there, there's, there are a lot of questions that are valid and should be asked at this point because we're not given any answers to them. You know, every time we try to ask them, we get told, oh, I don't know, I don't care, whatever they tell me to do. And, you know, maybe that's true, but also maybe that's a little sign of frustration from some of Oh, it's frustrating. Who, who <clears throat> want to know, who want to be told, who want to be able to speak freely. Perhaps, who also you know? may who also may feel like what are we doing? You know, right. now I have to. Not only do I have to be told by 
the head coach what I'm supposed to say when I sit down mm. for an interview. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I have to sit there on back to back days and back like <laughs> right. the dunce yeah. and my shoulders. Well, right. It's a waste of their time. It's a waste of our time. And it's very and, easily solvable. And you can put up with it, Tom, for as long as you're winning, right? You yeah. can put up, you can put you, you, I mean, you specifically and you, the general you, can put up with that kind of stuff if, well, okay, but they go to the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl every year. They win it every other year. Okay, we can deal with that. But when you have a losing record, when you get spanked in the playoffs, uh, when you start having, you know, a run of unsuccessful years, now it starts to get a little mm, right. It, more than frustrating, right? It starts to become intolerable. And you're like, well, what, what is he doing? What's the whole point of this? And, so, then, and again, it's funny because you look at the 2018 season and that is a, a PlayStation reset game button that they got handed in many mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And by, by, I mean, they went 11 and five in that regular season. They lost every single game to non-playoff performers. Lions, Jaguars, Titans, none of those teams made the playoffs. Um. That was not a great team. They rebooted. They win a Super Bowl because in large part because of perfect health, perfect health mm-hmm. on that team. Mm-hmm. But we go back and we only go back as far as 18 because they won a Super Bowl that year. But that was not a year that was trending well. No, especially with the two losses in December back to back. It really right? goes back to <laughs> it really goes back to the Eagles Super Bowl. So it's it's really from January of 20. 18 yep mm-hmm. and you know we all reported on how things were going in the 2017 season where there were so many guys who were disenfranchised and disenchanted on the coaching staff the personnel mm-hmm. group um, players themselves obviously with Brady but it's going on for a while the 2018 was yeah it, it bought more time and we don't go back that far well to come down from the pinnacle of professional sports does take a little bit of time and there are rungs to go on. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're way down here. Right. They're, but the rungs are, they're much more close to the middle of, of things. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Are the Patriots a well-coached team? 
at the moment, you're asking me? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a lot of symptoms in 2021 that would make me say, boy, I, I get burned timeouts and penalties. You get not enough guys on the field. Mm-hmm. You get too many guys on the field. You get breakdowns, timeouts wasted. It's it's a it's a tough question to answer because is it is it bad coaching or is it bad talent? You know, like are the coaches telling them this is what you got to do, but the guys aren't good right. enough to do it, or is it the players are good enough to do what they're told, but there there's confusion about what they're being told. I I don't know. I honestly don't know what the, what like the I, correct I answer at, is. My gut tells me it's a little bit of both. I look at that last of Buffalo, for instance, where we saw mm. all right, Trent Brown takes a penalty for hopping up and down. David Andrews takes a penalty for scurrying downfield and getting in somebody's face. And mm-hmm. there's plenty of fans who are like, ah, that's what you're supposed to do. It's not mm-hmm. hockey. Right. You know, it's, you're going to get 15 yards. You're playing a division rival. You saw Nikhil Harry with a drop and on the next play. So it's, it's hitting discipline, leadership, player development, mm-hmm. attentiveness. And no, those are the guys on the field. But if the players on the field don't know enough to not – I don't know. It's it, yeah. It's, I think I think it falls somewhere in the middle, Tom. Honestly, uh, you know there there are a lot of younger, less experienced coaches on this staff now than there were ten years ago. There are a lot fewer high talent players on this roster than there were ten years ago. I think it's fair to say both of those things. So, uh, and the rest of the league, by the way, has been moving steadily, especially in this conference in the AFC. As we saw this famously this offseason during the free agent signing period in March, teams are being aggressive. Teams aren't sitting pat, pardon the pun. Um, they, they understand that, that it's, uh, you know, to, to, to use the phrase that was well-worn, there's an arms race in the AFC. And <laughs> it looks like a lot of the other teams are competing at it, and this one isn't to the degree that, that people would like them to. Um, so uh, the, the competition level has increased. So I think when you look at that playoff game with Buffalo in particular, it was a mixture of maybe some coaching mistakes, but you could have, you could have written up the best game plan in the world, Tom. They weren't keeping up with the Bills. Speed-wise, no. talent-wise, it didn't matter. Buffalo had an attitude. They were at home. They, they felt that the pendulum had swung finally to them, and that was the game where they proved it. To me, in my mind, you know, because they had they probably should have won the game in the wind uh, on Monday night earlier in, in the season. Um, but for a drop pass in the end zone, uh, they probably would have won that game, despite the Patriots having a great game plan that night and executing mm-hmm. it. Um, and then they didn't punt for two straight games. So it didn't matter what your game plan was. You're not as good as Buffalo. And all the coaching in the world isn't going to solve that problem. Who are the five best players under 30 on the Patriots? Oh. I'll do it with you. Mac Jones. Okay, Mac Jones is one. Um, Kyle Duggar. Sure. I still would like to see a little bit more out of him. Um, yeah, but I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, uh, but this, yeah. Is, this is what we're going to be discussing right. a little bit is their best players are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, is, is he under 30? Yeah, let's call him he's under 30. 30? Yeah. Let's call him under 30. I'll put him. Uh, people are going to yell at me for this one and say that I'm biased, but Jake Bailey, still one of the best in the game. He's, he had an injury last year that I think contributed to some of his foibles we can't uh, relatively for him. Hmm? I mean, it's hard. We, 
Damian Harris, we would kind of say. Nobody at the cornerback position that we can say. Adrian Phillips, if he's under 30, he goes. He's in. He might just be right on the border there. Judon in the league for a while. Uh, Judon, yeah, that's a good one. And Barmore. That, that, that's a good one. Judon Barmore, yeah. Judon, Judon Barmore, Barmore Jones, Mac Jones, born. Let's get Bailey out of there. Okay. Always, always comes down to disrespecting the kickers. I get it. It's fine. I have a question here for you after <laughs> this. It'll be the last one. I know. Have. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing. Um, Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. yeah. Mike Unwenu. I mean, that's that's the hard thing. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Is yeah, yeah. In the old days, you could have listed those easily, right? That's, yeah, that, Jacoby yeah. Myers mm-hmm. might fit too. But when we look at the the profile of those players, if it's Jacoby Myers, it's an undrafted guy. If it's Mike Unwenu, it's a sixth round guy. Offensive from line. Stevenson, yeah. fourth, third. Uh, I think. I think Harris fourth. third. Yeah, yeah. Um, Duggar, excellent second round pick. Barmore, mm-hmm. yep, second round pick. Jones. But it's just, it's an underwhelming, you need not, those guys aren't underwhelming in and of themselves. It's an underwhelming foundation. If you pull up to that house and say, you know who they have in there? Right. Who? These guys. Mm -hmm. Right. Those are the best players. Those Mm -hmm. are good players. Those are the best ones. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think if you do that exercise with Buffalo, Kansas city, Cincinnati, L.A. Chargers, um, Houston, uh, Tennessee, Baltimore. You probably are quicker to name those five, probably, right? Yeah, and, those, um, that's, and that's your competition. Uh, you know, that's 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 the competition you're looking up to, right? Miami as well, I would think. Miami yeah. too. Yeah, that's can't can't forget them. They've beaten you three out of the last four, right? Who was your favorite uh, interview in the locker room of all time? Sixteen years, yeah. Good lord. Uh, ah, that's, that's, that's a tough one because there've been quite a few. All right, well, let's do this. I, I, I mean, Matthew Slater is one of them. Can you, he's got to Math- be up there. He's got to be up there. Can you do your Matthew Slater? I, I don't really know if this is the time or the place, Tom, but we'll do our best to, uh, do him justice as he so deserves. How'd you like? I love him. I love Matthew Slater. He's of course you do. He's one of my favorite. He's one of my favorite all time uh, Patriots. Um, Did you enjoy interviewing Wes Welker? Yeah, no. I mean, there were times when when he was good and and gave good answers and and said nice things and different things like that. But yeah, I mean, sure. Just catching the ball from Tom and and now I'm coaching with the Dolphins where I used to play and and uh, yeah. How much you How's that? that was absolutely <laughs> perfect. Is that your best one? Um, I, I think Slater probably would be my, my Phil best does one. An, Phil does an incredible Slater. Phil does. I, I didn't yep. know he did. I didn't know he did the impressions. Um, you know who did a great Belichick was Kevin Duffy. Oh, really? Yeah. Where's he now? Physical therapy. He's a physical therapist, PT guy. He's completely out of the biz. Thing, yeah. Right. So yeah. check into that. He seems, okay. to, be, seems to be catching <laughs> checks. So. Yeah. Um, do you have a Belichick? No, I mean, who doesn't have a Belichick? I mean, at this point, I don't, I mean I, don't, I don't know how you rank the impressions, but you know, you go. I mean, it's more for you to do than me. Yeah. I mean, I would 
whatever. Ask the geniuses wrote. at the league about that. Um, Write them up. Okay. You don't have a Brady, do you? Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, Phil, I think, also does a James White. <laughs> oh, the little giggle that he's got? How's that, yeah. that laugh? Yeah, a little giggle? Yeah. Vrabel, did, you can't do a Vrabel. You weren't around him long enough. I, was... I, was, I, w- I was around him, but... Wow. I, yeah, well, you know, I mean... <laughs> that was how he started every answer with, well, I mean, you know, every answer, Bruce, every Bruce answer was that. Brewski was two times with everything. Two times. Yeah. Another, another, another favorite of mine, Tommy, was, uh, was Lugan, Lugan Mankins. You remember him, right? <laughs> he was always a good guy. I liked him. Win or lose, he'll talk to you afterwards. Doesn't matter. Stand-up guy. Yeah. Very stand-up guy. I love him. Uh, we got any others? Oh, I'm sure. There have been Vince. They've been, oh, point blank. Patriots Hall yeah. of Fame with Vince point, point blank. Yeah. That was his go-to catchphrase was point blank. So Point blank. Um, there have been so many. Up. Like Randy Moss was a good one back in the day. Like I, when I used to hear his voice all the time. It's funny because when, when you uh, – or know. at least for me, when you hear a voice in your head, you, you either know right away whether you can do it or not. I, I don't know how that's possible, but – it is like I, I, I had never done Matthew Slater before. And your old colleague, Mary Pauletti, asked me one day, can you do Matthew Slater impression? And I just it just came right off the top. And I just because I knew I'd heard him so many times. I'm like, yeah, I can do that voice. I know that voice. But then there are other ones where I hear them and, and I know I just cannot. So I don't even attempt them. It's it's weird. It's no, I appreciate I can't that. Explain it. You know, can't explain exactly how I know, but just do. Boy, so no Stefan Gilmore, Malcolm Butler. We have to get, we would have to hear these guys again. Well, Steph, you, you literally would have to hear Steph. He was always whispering. So I, I don't know what his voice sounded like. Even I would stand next to him and I couldn't hear him. How about Dev? I bet you could do Dev if you heard him for a second. Oh, McCordy? Yeah. Um, it's very monotone. And a little uh, bit. Uh, just uh, working, trying hard with the, uh, with uh, the secondary, uh, and the coaching staff, uh, yeah, that's that's. I have to hear more a little bit. Yeah, more. you'd have to hear more, but you were on the right track there. But you know, it's tough not having been in the locker room. Not having been in the not having been in the locker room before you leave. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna filibuster through that question, Tom. Um, Robert Kraft, <laughs> Robert Kraft, before no. you leave. Um, not having been in the locker room because of the restrictions the last couple of years. I understand I, you're you know, leaving I, us. <laughs> I understand you're moving on, but you've been terrific. All of you have been terrific. You've been That's a little un- been kind of unfair at times to me, but we we love to give you the latitude to be assholes <laughs> if you need to be. I've never heard him use that language, Tom. That's unfair. I know I'm joking. I really enjoy him. I think he's a good guy. Um, all that said, I love my Robert Kraft impression. Can you do it, Jonathan? It's not bad. Uh, I've never really tried. No, and. That's one of those where I hear the voice in the head and I know that it's not possible for my, my vocal range. All right. You're going to have to bleep this, John Henry. Felger, <laughs> we spend. We spend plenty of money. Not bad, Tom. Thanks. Not bad. Uh-huh. And I've never seen anyone do an impression of me. The impression that you did of me was more body language. Yeah, right. Less, less voice, more, more uh, 
more body language, more yeah. mannerisms. And I have to be able to walk around to do it. So it, it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to, I do a good here. Belichick walk. I have seen that. And you do, I can vouch for that. Do a Mike Petralia walk. <laughs> they're, they're a little similar. They're those two are a well, little Mike's similar a little in walk. Speedier. I'm a good yeah, walk yes. impersonator. Yeah. Yeah, well, Mike was always, you know, in a hurry to get. get I could probably do a Paul Perillo walk, too, because there's a little bit of a waddle and a roll to it. All right. He's going to love hearing that, Tom. He's going to love hearing that. Can you do a Paul Perillo impersonation? No. Yes, you can. Not really. No. I can't. His voice is different than like than mine. He's not pitchy. All right. We've gone far enough. Okay. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you people who have followed Eric Scalavino, and I know there are many, many devoted Patriots fans who have listened to Eric Scalavino and followed him and read him through the years. Uh, wonderful person. Really happy to call him a friend. And uh, I hope this is not uh, see you later. Cause I think it'd be fun to have on the beat on, on, on the pod here and there as we go forward. Now that you're untethered. Hey, anytime you want, what did he say? Didn't he used to work for us? <laughs> <laughs> anytime you want to talk about road trips, Tom, that's my forte. So any NFL road trip talk, I'm there for you. Just give me All a right. call. Eric, thank you, man. All right, Tommy. Pleasure. Wait a minute, folks. We're back. I think we got Randy Moss. <laughs> Randy Moss is joining the program. Yo, three questions, y'all. Start it off. That's enough. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>